Well, as I look across this great congregation this morning, and and because we've not we've not resumed children's church and nursery, which by the way, nursery is available. It's just not attended to if you need it. But as I look across this congregation, and I see uh, I see all these beautiful babies, and then I see all of these beautiful senior citizens uh, that are with us. I appreciate them all, Claudette, like that. You know, I didn't say old people, senior citizens, and and everybody in between. But but there, you know, there are certain things in life that are household names. Like if I said the name Dolly, who would you all instantly think of? Parton. Dolly Parton, right, right. If I said George, you would probably think of George Jones, right? Many of you, you know, George who? George Washington. Okay, but. Uh, today, I want to I want to say to you the name Elvis. Even even some of these youngsters, maybe not the babies, but some, some, listen to me. Some of some of you senior citizens probably probably moved in ways you weren't proud of. Now, when you heard him sing "Hunk a Hunk a Burning Love," okay, you know my. My sister and I, you know, we, 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 our house was, it was a two-story house, but it wasn't a real big house. But my sister and I slept in the same room and we had bunk beds. And by virtue of her being the older and the dominating force in our, in, in our brother and sister, our sibling relationship, she, uh, she had the top bunk. Okay? She had a picture. I never will forget this. She had a big old picture of Elvis with like a red shirt and a black scarf around his neck and it was, it was faded in. And she had that poster. It was a poster hanging up above her bed. And at night when I would lay in the bottom bunk, if I looked up between the slats, I would have to look at Elvis all night long. I didn't really care for him, to be honest with you. I, I, I like him better now that he's not around than I did when he was around, so to speak. That sounds sort of bad, I guess. But, but, but most of us know who Elvis is. Elvis, what was, he, he was known, you know, for a movie career. He had, he did many movies there for, in, in a, in a uh, space of his career. But most commonly, Elvis was known for what? Singing. Elvis was known for his song. He was known for his voice. And for you now senior ladies, he might have been known for some of his movements back in the day. Kung Fu fighting, yeah. But then, I want to talk to you this morning about not that Elvis, but I want to tell you a story about another Elvis. It's Elvis the Canary. Elvis the Canary. Now, Elvis the Canary was named appropriately so, very affectionately named by his owner, because Elvis the Canary had a passion to sing. One day, Elvis the Canary was in his cage, doing what he absolutely loved to do, and what he did best, singing. His owner... She decided she would vacuum out the cage. As she was vacuuming out Elvis's cage, the doorbell rang. She thoughtlessly laid down her vacuum hose to answer the doorbell. And the innocent Elvis, singing his song, got just a little bit too close. Elvis got sucked in. 
He made his way down the spiraled hose of the vacuum cleaner and he made his way into the, the vacuum cleaner container, the bag full of dust, dirt, hair, paper clips, toenail clippings, perhaps a few of the kids' fruit loops that got, got sucked out of the crevices in the couch. Elvis found himself in a very, very dark place. A very smothery place. A place of unwantedness. Fearing the worst, Elvis's owner began to dismantle the vacuum cleaner. And as she dismantled the vacuum cleaner and she ripped the dust bag apart, she found her beloved songstress, songster, Elvis. Much to her surprise, he had survived. He was stunned. He was dazed. He was covered in dust. But he was still alive. There was hope for Elvis. She quickly runs to the nearest bathtub with Elvis. And there she turned on the spigot and she stuck the day's bird under the water and to begin to drench him and to wash him off. Realizing then that Her soaked bird, he was now clean, but he was shivering. He was cold. He was wet. He was in desperate need of being dried. So she runs to the vanity and she grabs her hair dryer. And, well, let's say it was a hair-raising experience for her beloved bird. She she, she blow-dried her precious Little bird. And that lady wondered, will Elvis ever, ever sing again? I want you to go to the book of Romans in your, in your Bible this morning. And I, I want you to read these scriptures along with me. I'm, I'm, I'm reading out of the New International Wording. Paul said this. He said, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. I want to preach to you with that thought in mind, will Elvis ever sing again? Now, keep in mind, I'm not talking about the Presley guy from out in Tennessee. I'm talking about Elvis the Canary. I want to ask you a question this morning. Can you relate to Elvis? Can you relate to having your song? Can you relate to doing your thing every single day, but suddenly you find yourself sucked up, dirtied up, washed up, and blew up? 
Can you, can you imagine yourself? Have you ever found yourself in that circumstance and situation when suddenly everything's going good in life? Everything is going perfectly fine, but suddenly you find yourself and your life is totally, totally havoc. It's total wreckage. It's totally seemingly falling or blown apart. Should we, as Christians, should we expect more than that? Probably not. You know, statistics tell us that every five years that we go through a catastrophic event in our life. Uh, statistic, science if you would, says that, that we are either coming out of, going into, or getting ready to go into a catastrophic event. Every About every five years on the average, something catastrophic occurs in our life. So, so when we, we, we begin to think about life itself and we begin to think about Christianity and we begin to think about who we are as Christians, uh, when, when we compare that to what the scripture says, I want to remind us this morning and, and, and I want this, I don't want this to be, uh, uh, morbid. I, I don't intend for this to be depressing, but I do want to remind us early on here about the reality that we live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world. No matter how saved we get, and which by the way, we're either saved or we're not. You can't be more saved or less saved. You're, you either is or you ain't, okay? But, but, but no matter how saved we get, no matter how full of the Holy Ghost we get as, as Pentecostal believers, or no matter, no matter how, how sanctified we become, no matter any of that, no matter how, how much we grow in God, we must never forget that we live in a fallen sin cursed world. And because we live in a fallen sin cursed world, we are subject to the elements of this world. Job said it this way. Job said, man's days are short and they are full of trouble. I can relate to the short part. Every day I have is short. Okay? Thank God for a short wife. I met a guy the other day and his wife was about this much taller than me. And uh, he even made a comment about, I, I, I didn't say a thing. I don't know why he must have felt a little bit of, uh, of uh, he must have felt a little bit of, of guilt or something there. I don't know, or embarrassment. I don't know what you would even call it. But he said, that's why I got, he said, yeah, I'm short. He said, that's why I got me a tall woman. He said, she can take up for me. I figured I could hold my own, so I got one shorter than me. Man's days are short and they're, they're full of trouble, Job says. They're full of trouble. That's us. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 5. Jesus said the sun rises on both good and evil. And the rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. The problems, the cares, the troubles, the heartaches, the difficulties of this life are going to come our way. Whether we're believers or we're not believers. Whether we're full of the Holy Ghost or whether we're not full of the Holy Ghost. Troubles, the problems, the cares of this life. Listen, we're going to get sucked up. We're going to get washed up. We're going to get blown up. Everything that happened to Elvis is subject to happen to us when we least expect it. Because we live in a fallen world. But what God has called us to, He's called us to have a couple things that I want to name this morning. The first thing that I want to name to you is God has called us to have tenacity. Tenacity. 
He's called us. Paul repeated multiple times in his letters. Paul referred to how that he was in a fight or that he was running to win. Uh, Paul understood the element of competition. Paul understood that if you're going to be a competitor, you can't start out strong and quit halfway. But you have to finish up. You have to keep pushing on. You can't stop. You can't quit. Listen, my son son used to play uh, a little league baseball Dixie Youth and, and and I can remember every once in a while there would be a game that would get real lopsided and they had a rule called the slaughter rule and they would call a game when it got so out of balance they would just call a game and put it into it before it got any worse. Listen to me there is no slaughter rule in the kingdom of God. He's calling us to keep pushing in, to keep pressing on, to keep going forward. Onward Christian soul Soldiers marching ass to war. We can't give up the battle. We can't give up our hope because they just sang about it. Yahweh, faithful God, He is with us to the end. James said this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces Perseverance. You see, we get enthused about I'm the head and I'm not the tail. We we get excited about I shall prosper and I will not be in lack. We get excited about those things, and rightfully so. But sometimes we 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 ignore these verses just like the one that's up before you right now. When, when the scripture tells us to consider it joy whenever we face trials of many kinds. Because knowing that our, that the testing of our faith is producing perseverance, the tenacity that we need to go on. And that has a close relationship to the second thing I want to point out to you or speak to you about is the endurance. Endurance. Three times, Matthew, twice, Mark, one time, three times in the Gospels, Jesus spoke of the need of enduring to the end. So Paul Paul did not preach, Paul did not live anything contrary to what Jesus had taught. We can't quit. We can't stop. We can't give up. We can't let down our guard. We at no time can we grow slack. The writer of the book of Hebrews said, let us run our race and let us run our race with endurance. I read a story a few weeks ago and it was about a runner and I, I'm not, I'm not well versed on running. Uh, I've heard of two K's and three K's and five K's and Y2K and all kind of K. And I don't, I don't know a whole lot about running. I know a few people that do run and enjoy running. And, and if you see me running, you need to look behind me to see what's chasing me because it's probably a bear or something or another behind me if you see me running. Okay? Not that I don't need to, mind you. But they were talking, it was talking about the, the, this book I was reading and, and they were talking about running. Uh, uh, and, and as they talked about running, the runner talked about and spoke about how that, that, that's, that the, the whole part of running come down to a psychological thing. 
It came down to when the body is crying out to stop. The body is crying out in pain. The body is saying, I can't go another step. I can't take another stride. My legs are cramping. My heart is beating. My mouth is dry. My tongue has got thick. I can't keep going. That The the, the successful runner will block all of that from their mind and they will cause their body, they will force their body to keep going forward. Let me tell you this. Only those that endure to the end, according to the word of God, shall be saved. Sometimes we've got, when, when, our, when our spiritual legs become cramped, our mouth is dry, our tongue has become thick. All of those things that, all of those things that occur with the runner, all of those things are happening to us, and using that as a metaphor, all of those things are happening to us spiritually. We keep pressing in. We keep pressing on. We can't give up. We can't quit because we've got to make it through that ribbon. We've got to make it across that finish line. It's not necessarily important that we're the first one to cross that line, but what is important is that we cross it and we finish and we complete the task that has been set before us. So we have to have tenacity and we have to have endurance. And then we have to have... All of that in itself creates our testimony. All of that in itself creates testimony. You see, going back to Job, Job said, he got up, he tore his robe, he shaved his head... He fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked, I came from my mother's womb, and naked, I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. He Listen, this guy has just lost every, absolutely every physical possession that he has. He is absolutely broke. He, he, he is much worse, he is in much worse shape than Elvis. Elvis gets sucked into a vacuum cleaner. He gets, he, he gets drowned under the bathtub faucet. He gets blow dried by, by the blow dryer. But, but he still hasn't experienced anything close to what Job has experienced. Neither have you and I. You or I haven't experienced that when we sit down and we think about it. Now, that doesn't mean that we're, what we've been through is not important. It doesn't mean that it didn't hurt us. It doesn't mean what we're going through right now is not causing us pain. It does, that doesn't mean anything like that. But understand this, in comparison, in the sense of comparison, nobody, none of us in here can probably truly relate to, in, in full to what Job has went through at this point. And Job says, the Lord gave and the Lord taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. He wasn't praising God for taking his stuff. He wasn't praising God for losing all of his livestock, losing his family. He wasn't praising God for any, for, for, for the loss he had. But what he was praising God is because he knew that God was faithful. Faithful God. Yahweh. He knew that God was with him. He knew that God was beside him. He knew of all the people in the world and his friends are about to come by and tell him and give him all of their diagnosis of what happened, but but out of all and of everything, Job knew that he needed the relationship with his God, and his God was faithful, and Job had a testimony, even when it didn't look like God was being faithful to the natural eye, Job was still insistent that God was faithful to him. 
And you may be in your circumstance and it may, it may, it may look like God is a million miles away. It may look like that right now He isn't being very faithful to you. It may look like that He's let you down. It may look like you've been abandoned. But understand this. It don't look with your natural eye. Don't observe the circumstances that are happening to you right now because one of God's names is faithful. He is faithful. He is true. He is with you. He is abiding with you. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. He is with you always, even to the end. Literally, the end of the earth. God is with us, and He is blessing us, and He is keeping us. And Paul wrote to Timothy. When he wrote to Timothy, he said, You have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me, at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. He said, you saw it all. Paul is saying here to Timothy, he said, you have saw absolutely everything that, that, that I've been through. You know, you know my faithfulness. You know how much I love God. You know how, you know how much I love, I, I, I love the gospel, the, the, the message of Jesus Christ. You know all of that. You under, you know about all of the churches that I've went around and I've built and I've established and I've planted. You know how I have served as apostle. He said, but you know, he says, you know the difficulties. You know the hell that I've been through. You know what, you know what my struggles have been. He said, but you also know, and as you look at me, and let me tell you something, when Paul was writing this, he wasn't writing it from the, from the penthouse floor of, uh, of the rich motel, but he was writing it out of the pit. He was writing it out of a dark place, and he says, but you know the Lord has delivered me out of them all. Because he has been faithful to God. So, this amazing grace of Christ is most exemplified in our difficult circumstances. That's what I'm saying to you. I think that's what the scripture and that's what God is teaching us. The amazing grace of Christ is most exemplified in our difficult circumstances. Let me put that in more um, uh, layman's terms, if you would. God's going to get more glory... When he brings us through the vacuum cleaner and under the bathtub spigot and by the blow dryer. You see, that, it, that's when God gets, God gets the glory when we're going through the valley of the shadow of death. God gets the glory when, 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 and, I, and I'm anxious. By the way, I want to tell you something. Frankie told me, uh, Frankie told me the last report he gave me that Dana is improving and, and, and the ventilator is being cut back and it's way back and they hope to have her winged off the ventilator just here in the next few days. And as much as I, I, as much as I feel for her, and I don't don't misunderstand me, I'm not being cold. Uh, we've been praying for her, and I know you've been praying for her. But as much as I, we have been hurting for them, and what have you, you know what? I, I, there's a testimony that's going to come forth. There's a testimony to be given that she was at her lowest estate. We don't know what happened while she's been on that ventilator, but we know God has been on the scene and He is bringing her out, and a testimony will come forth. Understand this with me. What 
I'm saying to you is our testimonies do not come through the great times, the good times, the wonderful times, the happy times. That's not necessarily where our testimony comes from, but it comes from, yea, I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, but I didn't fear any evil because the rod and staff of God was with me. And it took me not just down in that valley, but it took me through that valley. Understand with me that our our difficult moments, our dark times bring the greatest testimony. And how does testimony occur in those darkest of times? Praise that comes out of pain goes noticed. Listen to me. Praise that comes out of pain goes noticed. It is not only noticed by God, but it's noticed by the people that live around you, that walk around you, that live in your house, that know you, that work with you in our deepest pain, in our in our in our deepest, deepest, darkest moment, if we will be persistently and if we will be consistently enduring to praise God, no matter what comes, no matter what goes, no matter what happens, God will get the glory and people will see the witness that there is something in your life and my life that is different than the rest of the world. If, if I were to have a hall of great, uh, a wall of influence, uh, and I had, let's say maybe 10 pictures that could go on that wall of people that influenced me, it would, one of those people would be a man named Harry Armstrong. Harry, Harry had a great influence on my life, but Harry, um, Harry wasn't a Christian until the end of his life. But Harry was, Harry was my first Boss in the corporate world. He was, he was my, he was my, well, my boss. Boss says it all. Harry, he looked like Kenny Rogers back in the day. Seriously. Had the gray hair and the gray beard. And, you know, I was, uh, always want, want Dolly to come walking in, you know, right there while Kenny Rogers is sitting over in the office. His office, I, I, my, my desk was right outside of his office. Harry, uh, great guy. I learned so much from Harry. Harry, Harry identified himself in a way that I probably wouldn't want to be identified, but I'm not, you know, and then Harry wasn't me. Harry, Harry, Harry Taylor Armstrong. He identified himself as a professional tail chewer. Anybody, anybody understand what I'm talking about? Anybody ever had a tail chewing? That's why Harry was. He said, "I'm." A, he said, "I'm a professional tail chewer." He said, "He he would call he would call people in, including me. He would call you in and he would chew you out because he he just said everybody needs a little prod in the tail every once in a while. He said it makes them better employees. That was his that was his theology on employment. He called me in." His office didn't go, the walls didn't go all the way up. They were more like cubicles. He called me in. He chewed me out. He chewed me up one side, down the other side. He wallered me around in his mouth and then spit me out, chewed me out. He threatened to fire me, quite frankly. He said, if you ain't got this straightened out by the end of the week, you're going to be looking for a job. You're going to be fired. I couldn't go back to my desk in that moment. I just left his office and I went out into the factory. And I'm just going along. I don't remember what I was whistling, but I remember I was whistling. 
guy I worked with, he comes running out behind me. He said, are you okay? Are you okay? Hey, Taylor, are you okay? I said, yeah, I'm okay. I'm fine. I'm fine. He said, well, I was really worried about you. He said, I'm still worried about you. Are you okay? I said, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Listen, I'm good. He said, what are you going to do if he fires you Friday? I said, God gave me this job. He'll give me another one. He said, why in the world are you walking out here whistling? I said, because I'm not alarmed. I'm not upset. I said, there's nothing to be upset about. I said, and, and I sort of took on that persona of Job. And I'm not saying that I am anybody in this. I'm just giving you the illustration. But what I'm saying, I realized the Lord gave me that job. And the Lord, if he takes it away, he's got something else that's on better for me. Because I have trusted him and I have depended on him. And he is going to take care of me. And guess what? I didn't get fired. I kept on working. And I worked 21 years for that company. Harry became one of my greatest friends. And the greatest greatest inspirations in my life and he would be on the hall of fame if I had one but here's the thing about it here's what I want you to know even when I was embarrassed even when I was he humiliated me even when he made me really look small in front of my peers it didn't take my joy I could still worship I could still praise I could still express my confidence in God and if we will maintain that in our Christian experience we will experience so much because without affliction there is no healing without brokenness there can be no wholeness that's why Paul said in the scripture we took tests from he said these sufferings are nothing in comparison to the glory that will be revealed in us when we in our darkest lowest moment can find ourselves praising and worshiping God edifying him who he is I was talking to the Harveys about Paul Harvey. I was jokingly asking them if they were related to Paul Harvey. Paul Harvey used to say, now here's the rest of the story. Sometime later, a few days later, a friend stopped by the house. She asked the lady, she said, she said, do you think Elvis will ever sing again? The woman said, well, you know what? For two or three days, he didn't make a sound. He just went in there in his cage, just sat on his little perch, and I heard nothing. But all of a sudden, after a couple days had passed, the sun started coming up early one morning. And as the sun beamed through the window... Into Elvis's cage, suddenly Elvis began to sing again. And the canary began to sing the song. And she said, now I can't get him to shut up. He just sings continually. He sings more than he ever did before. You see, that's the way it can and could and should work with us as people of God. Because our joy... Our joy is not to be determined, listen to this, our joy is not to be determined by the absence of suffering. 
but by the presence of God through the person of the Holy Ghost. If you don't catch anything else I said this morning, I want you to catch that. Our joy is not to be determined by the absence of suffering, but by the presence of God through the person of the Holy Ghost. My joy, you see, because, because joy is, is, is different than happiness. Joy in, 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 encompasses peace. Joy encompasses satisfaction. That all, it is well, that it is well with my soul. You see, joy goes much deeper than the surface of emotions. And the absence of hunky-dory, happy-go-lucky, Everything is beautiful. Tiptoe through the tulip circumstance. The absence of those circumstances does not mean that my joy has been robbed. It does not mean I should lose my joy. But it means my joy is fulfilled through and by the presence of the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost is keeping me. He's watching out over me. He's providing for me. And He will see me through the spiraled hose of the vacuum cleaner. The dust bag with the dirt, the paper clips, the toenail clippings, maybe even a few old Cheerios or Fruit Loops. It, it, it'll, the, 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 the joy of the Lord, the Holy Spirit will, will, will see me through being drowned under the bathtub faucet like Elvis. It'll, 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 it'll see us through getting our, our feathers ruffled under the blow dryer. Because the sun's going to shine through our window one more time. I'm dating myself a little here, here, you know, but, but, you know, it, it is what it is. And, and I, pardon me if I'm being too worldly for you, but Buck Owens used to sing a song, the sun's going to shine through my life again someday, something like that. Love's going to live here again. Let me tell you something. Jesus is going to reappear. He is not really gone away, but He and the presence of the Holy Spirit is going to manifest in your life. I don't care how bad it's been. I don't care how dark it's seemed. I don't care how wet or how stormy, how windy it's been. God is going to show up in your life. He's still there. He's still there. He's still working. But He's going to manifest in your life. Because joy, and your joy is not to be determined by the absence of suffering, but rather by the presence of God. Suddenly, for no reason at all, Elvis, the singing canary, he got sucked up, washed up, and blown up. But I want you to know this. It didn't last forever. And what you're going through is not going to last forever. Elvis got his song back. And so will you get your song back. If you and I will be tenaciously persistent to worship during our difficult season, we will get our song back. I want to read something to you. I didn't mark this, so just give me a just give me a moment here. If you have your Bibles, you can flip over there with me and read. Uh, Psalms 30, I believe. Psalms 30. I want you to listen to David. Now David, listen, let me tell you something. David, David had a lot of dark days in his life. He had a lot, he had, he said, well yeah, but he brought it all out of it on himself. So what? So do we. 
David had a lot dark, lot of dark days in his life. But I want to read to you. Read the 30th Psalm. It's a, it's a song. I don't know. I don't know how the melody went. It'd be great to probably sing it if we could. But but let's read the lyrics. He said, "I will exalt you, O Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me." Lord, my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. Oh, Lord, you gave me up from the grave and you spared me from going down into the pit. Sing to the Lord, you saints of His. Praise His holy name. For His anger lasts only a moment, but His favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may remain for a night, but rejoice comes in the morning. Let me another version you'll see that says weeping may endure for the night, but joy will come in the morning. David said, when I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. Oh Lord, when you favored me, you made my mountain stand firm. But when you hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, oh Lord, I called to the Lord. I cried for mercy. What gain is there in my destruction, in my going down into the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my help. You turn my welling into dancing. You remove my sackcloth and you clothe me with joy that my heart may sing to you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give you thanks forever. Here's what I want us to do this morning. Now, if you're in this room and you need to be saved, that's the most important need. And and we want to minister to you this morning. If you're watching by Facebook Live, you need to be saved. We, we want you to receive Christ as your Savior this day. But, here, but here's where I want us to go this morning in this service. I want to ask you right now, I want you to stand to my feet. And I've asked the praise team just to do the chorus. This is how I fight my battle. You've heard it. This is how I fight my battle. And right now, I want you to engage in your battle right now with faith and praise. Right now, it might look like you're surrounded. You may feel like you're surrounded. But understand that it's you're surrounded by God. It's not your, it's not your, it's not your problems. It's not your cares. It's not your difficulties that have you surrounded. But it is the presence of God that is encamped all around you right now. And right now I just want you to start praising your way through trouble. I don't know that you'll praise your way all the way out of trouble this morning, but I want you to start praising your way through it right now. Come on. Come on. This is how I fight my battle. Just begin to praise Him. Just begin to worship Him. Give Him glory. Give Him praise. This is how I fight my battle. 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 I fight my battle. Come on. It may look like like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, and I'm surrounded by you. 
It may look like I'm surrounded and I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. This is how I fight my battles. 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 This is how I fight. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. This is how I fight my battles. 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 Just right now, here's what I want you to do. We've got plenty of room to spread out a little bit and, and we've not been doing altar calls where I've had everybody gather up real close. But right now, right now, I'm, I'm here this morning and I'm willing to pray for anybody. And we do pray for you all. But here's the thing. I, I'm not here just to pray this morning, but I'm here to praise you through your battle. I'm here to worship with you through your battle. And there's other people in this place that's the same way. You may feel like you're engulfed. You may, you're going down for the third time. You're already down for the third time. You're underwater and bubbles are coming up. Let me tell you, but it's not over until it's over. And right now, if you are, if that's you, if you are consumed, if you feel like you're dying on the vine, if you feel like you're, you're, you're perishing right now, you've sucked up, you've washed up, and you've got blown up in life, I want you right now, I want you to just to step out, come up here, and we're going to start praising with you and praise you through your battle. Praise you through your difficulty. Praise you through your hard time. Is there anybody we can help praise a little bit with this morning? Is there anybody that's down for the count seemingly, but you need the sun to shine through your window one more time. We're not going to crowd in on you. We'll give you your space, but we want to praise with you right now. Is there one? Is there one? Is there two? Are there three in this place right now? Right now? Right now? Is there anybody that say, Pastor, I need some praise. I need somebody to help me praise my way through. I need to have somebody to help me worship my way through. Is there anybody right now, right now as we tarry, just a moment. My battle. This is how I fight 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 my battle. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded. Are you surrounded by Jesus right now in this place? He's wrapping His arms around you right now. God, 
We just pray right now. Let your Holy Spirit begin to enwrap and engulf every person in this room right now. God, continue to bless, continue to minister. Lord, continue to touch their lives, God. As only you can do, Lord Jesus. Breaking down barriers, Lord God. Breaking your strongholds. Chains falling off, Lord God. Lord, right now, Lord Jesus, weights, Lord, shackles, Lord God, falling off. Right now, God, Lord, uplift those. Those who are looking from the bottom of the pit, God. Lord, you're raising them up, Lord. Lord, may they lift up their eyes. May they look up to you, Lord, and know that their redemption is drawing nigh. God, let every person in this room be encouraged, be uplifted, Lord, and know that, Lord God, that you have not left them and you've not forsaken them, Lord God, but you are with them today, Lord. Yes, Jesus. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. I want to ask you the question today. Are you fighting your battle with praise? Are you fighting your battle with praise? If you're not, start praising him. Start praising. Don't praise him for the battle. Don't praise him for Losing all of your livestock, losing all of your children, like Job, losing your health. Don't pray. You don't. Have, don't. You don't have to praise God for that. But praise Him for His faithfulness. Praise Him for His goodness. Praise Him for His all-seeing eye that is evermore watching out over you. Praise Him. Praise Him. You know, we used to get that old song going, Praise Him, praise Him, praise Him when the sun goes down. You know, just just praise Him no matter what is coming in your life. No matter what is going on in your life. Praise Him. Worship Him. Worship Him. Worship Him through the rest of the coronavirus. Worship Him. Worship Him through this election. Worship Him through the riots. Worship Him through through the heartache in your home. Worship Him with what your kids are doing. Worship Him through what your 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 wife has done to you. Worship Him through what your husband has done for you to you. Worship Him through what your employer has done by how they have violated you. Worship Him because the bank accounts dry. Worship Him when the cars broke down. Worship Him in everything. In all things, praise the Lord. In all things, worship Him. In all all things give Him glory and honor and praise. That's how you're going to fight your battle. That's how we're going to fight our battles. And that's how we're going to win. We're going to win. Because when we begin to lift Him up, He's going to begin to draw people. That He's going to draw out of, out of the testimony of praise even when the good times... Understand, let me reiterate one more time. It's, it's not... It's not in, it's, you know, it's not because of the fair weather testimony that God gets the most glory. But, but it's when the storm is raging. It's when... It's, listen, listen. If, if, listen. If the disciples had been in a boat going across the Sea of Galilee and it had been a calm, still, clear night and the water had looked like glass and they had just sailed all over from one side over to the other side, let me tell you something. There would not be a story about that in the Bible. But it's when the waves begin to roll and if you ever go to the Sea of Galilee, it sets 
right down in like a bowl and they say the wind comes from down those three valleys those three those three uh, caverns and it comes down through and it begins to pick up the way the, the water and they say the waves will reach sometimes over 10 foot tall in some of those storms and let me tell you they didn't have any bayliner boat or nothing like that back in that day it was just a little old mud and wood thatched thing together let me tell you what it was a scary night if the water had stayed calm if it had stayed glassy nobody wouldn't be reading about it in the Bible today but it's when the waves begin to overcome the boat it's when the waves begin to toss over their head it's when everything began to look bad that Jesus came walking on the water that Jesus comes on the sea of Galilee it's in those times that their testimony comes forth it's in that moment that it gets written down in the Bible and it's in your moment when everything is going wrong you think you're about to sink the waves are tossed over your head that you think all is bad and everything is terrible and everything how can God get glory out of this just praise Him just praise Him because if you will praise Him He will be glorified